Hello and welcome to the Life Laundry Podcast. I'm Gemma. I'm Chippy. We started at 10 o'clock. It's now 20 past. What I would like everyone to... Chippy's been ranting. I'd like everyone to take a deep cleansing breath in. Oh, and do that thing. You know that thing? It always works. If you know anyone who does yoga, and they're always like, unclench your jaw, drop your shoulders. Yeah. And it literally, as soon as any time I see it, I'm like a... I'm like a puppet. I'm like, oh my God, yes. Okay. It makes you feel instantly better. Can't remember what the third one is. Anyone talking about the jaw being cleansed for any pregnant laundrettes, a little rhyme I'd like to teach you for free. Um, relax the jaw to relax the pelvis, pelvic floor because they're linked. Are they? Your, your pelvis, your pelvic floor, everything just, I don't know how or why, something, I've forgotten it. But anyway, they're linked. So relax your jaw to release the pelvic floor. Helps in Right. Would therefore have the best pelvic floor ever because I've got such a clenched jaw all the time. But my pelvic floor is not what it should be. Um, so I started today with a cleansing breath because I feel like there's been a shift in the world. Um, every, you know, when I was talking to you last week about the man in the van, yeah. So a very similar thing happened to me last night, and you know what. Ladies and gentlemen, this woman has had enough because I don't think he wait to me if I was a man. This girl is a fire. I don't know what that is, but it just came to me. So it was, you know, the, you, depending on what part of the world you lived in, right? I know this will apply to Chippy. We have had biblical amounts of rain over the past two or three days. So I needed, I needed to get some diesel. I am swapping my car. It's a shit te- hit heap. That is a completely different story. And I what? But that's the car of your dreams. Yes, it is, but this is the thing. You shouldn't always get what you wish for. That's another. That's another lesson. I've got another song. You can't always get what you want. Yeah. So I will be swapping it for a hybrid because I don't want to go fully electric because it's our only car. Anyway, I'm going off on a, on a tangent. So our local petrol station has six pumps three of which were out of use because that part of the petrol station was completely flooded. So only three pumps were in use. At this point, it's hammering it down still. So everybody, I'm going to draw a diagram. There will be a diagram on Instagram. I will put it there because I have access to Instagram. Um, So if anyone can't visualise this, diagram will be coming your way. So visualise three pumps. There are the middle pump, has one car in it. All, all pumps have a car. The first pump to become free is the furthest pump, right? Mm. I can get around. So there's a queue behind me of people wanting to get petrol. It's going onto the road. It's causing an obstruction. I can get around to release that bottleneck. So I do. I go around, release the bottleneck, pull in and park at the front, making sure, and this is key, making sure that I have left enough room for the driver sandwiched in the middle pump to get out. Yeah. Driver in the middle pump has a small, like, Fiat-type car, right? More than there. Huh? Driver at middle pump. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He comes out, and I'm not judging him for this, but I'm just giving everybody context, right? He's about 19 years old. He comes out with a massive crate of, like, 24 Stellas. Obviously. Right? And then he's got an older dude with him 
Um, it looks about 40. He comes out with the same amount of Stellas, right? Again, no judgment, might have been going to a house party, right? Just for context, right? I'm in a car with all three of my children. We'd just been to Pizza Express. We'd had a very nice early dinner, right? Homely. I love Pizza Express. Yes. I don't think it gets enough credit. It's one of the only places I can take my feral children. I know. It's great, isn't it? Like about four o'clock every night, all mums just descend with kids. Just someone just picks up. Pizza Express to us closed during COVID, but I did not know about this until we moved. And literally week one in my new house, I was like, right. Let's just take the kids 10 minutes down the road, Pizza Express. And then I was like, it's closed. It's closed. Change, cancel plans. We're not moving anymore. So I hear this behind me. And I said to Thomas, who's in the passenger seat, is he all right to think I've not left him enough room? So I move up again, like another metre. At this point, my petrol cap isn't even in line with the petrol pump. That's how much I've moved up at this point. I thought, I'll just wait wait for him to pull out, and then I reverse all the way back. So I take the middle pump, right? He makes a big song and dance out of getting out of this space, which is approximately two and a half times the length of his car. He pulls up alongside my car. He winds down his window. Oh, no. So I'm like, we're on. So I wind down my window, and he goes, really? I couldn't hear him because it's pissing down. I'm like, what? He's like, Really? I'm going, what, Tom goes, he said, really? Right. And I was like, what's the matter? He went, really? Did you have to park there? I was like, it's a fucking petrol pump. He was like, I couldn't get out. I said, you're out now. Well, yeah, but it was really fucking difficult. I was like, don't fucking talk to me like that. Tom was like, calm down, calm down. And the dude, the dude next to him was pissing himself laughing. And I said something along the lines of, because it was all a bit of a blur. You can't fucking drive. Don't get in a fucking car. Like, but his, I feel so intimidated by him. I and you know when you're so intimidated, you can't think. He's the proudest I've ever felt. And I was just like, I was shaking because I was a woman and I'm not proud of myself for this because I, I do stick up for myself in situations, but I was shaking because I felt so intimidated. I remember, I was, and I was thinking about this the other day, how my mum had overtaken a moped driver who we commented was driving badly, right? But she overtook him. She gave him loads of space and then pulled up to a junction and he comes and he parks his moped and he sticks his head in her window. And he, she's like, I must have been about uh, like 10. So my sister was about 12, 13. And he said, I've been a driver for 30 years and don't think that you can intimidate me. And I remember, didn't didn't have the mouth on me then, that I do now. But I remember being like, I'm sorry, your stick, A, she's driven for longer than you, love. So fucking pipe down. B, you're sticking your head in her car window and she's got two little girls in the back. And you're talking to her about being intimidating. Like, just... They don't think. I know. And like, and I'm not proud of myself for swearing in front of the kids, but I was so intimidated that I just attacked. You know, like he swore first, he was aggressive first, and he was just really unreasonable. I don't know whether that revving was him genuinely not being able to manoeuvre his car or him just making it hurt. But also, I know that, I mean, I swear in front of my kids more than I should, but actually... 
a you you like don't show your kids you being like oh sorry Mm. show your kids you being like no fuck off don't speak to me like that also I slightly wish that what had actually happened is Thomas had just unfolded himself from the car and basically towered over this guy's van wasn't it like the smallest car in Christendom like oh, what was he doing I can't also, but this is a funny thing right so then I, I'm still shaking in the car and Johnny's like you handled that really well mom and I said oh I didn't I swore he went no you stuck up for yourself because he was out of order and Tom was like still on TikTok it's the whole thing going yes you were out of order he was out of order sorry he was out of order and, that, and then the guy because he'd modified his car you know when like they drop it right he couldn't get out he had to drive through the flooded bit he couldn't get out so I'm trying not to laugh I'm, and I said to them look I'm not going out of my car till he's gone out of the thing I don't I, I don't know he could be anybody right he, he, you know anyway so then I got out of the car after we managed to navigate as well through the puddle um and then this like big Volkswagen estate just went into that space that he just dramatized getting out of like that yeah so <laughs> like this is it it's not me it's definitely not me no Drive. What a twat. Um, so I um, so going back going back to what Chippy was ranting before, she said what she was ranting about affected her whole day her whole day yesterday. And it affected my whole evening last night because I was like questioning myself. Was I the you know when you when you sort of think back in retrospect, you're like, was that me? Did I do something wrong? Was I driving really badly? But do you know what I have noticed? Ever since I've driven the car that I do, which is a Land Rover Discovery. Yeah, I was going to say. I get treated so differently by pe- by men, really. Maybe, but mainly by men. They have a preconceived idea about the sort of person that is driving that car. And the number of times that, you know, I've been driving down the road, and one particular time driving down the M25, and some dude in a furniture van got annoyed because I wasn't driving fast enough in the slow lane I was like I was doing like 70 which is the speed limit FYI man in the furniture van tried to sideswipe me it's none of your fucking business how far he tried to sideswipe me and me and Tom were in the car and it was like Tom was like what the hell and then he got in front of me and slammed his brakes It was odd. It's odd. So I'm never, that's another reason why I am genuinely, one of the genuine reasons why I'm swapping the cars because I've never been treated like this as a driver. And I think it's yeah, the type of car. I was going to say, Land Rovers, I think, are inflammatory cars. Mm. Um, definitely. And I think, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm trying, I try and, I mean, I keep getting caught speeding. So. Well, I've never had a speed. I've never had a speeding ticket. I'm like one of the most careful drivers ever. Obviously, we all make mistakes. Everyone messes up all the time. But I just thought if I was if I was like a man in my white van and I had some big work boots on, it's not. There is no way you can tell me he'd have done the same. No. It wouldn't have happened. No. And I hate that. It is really annoying to. It was almost like he'd had a really bad day and he just saw the first person to take it out on and it just it was. Do you know I mean, what? I did, was it because I'd been to Pizza Express? Yeah. Oh. 
he'd known that, he would have been very nice to you. Um, it is because he couldn't get his shitty little souped up car out and he had a mate in his car. Maybe. And so to make himself, to make it not look like he's actually just incompetent. He blamed it on the woman in front of him. Mm. That's what it is. Men who can't drive, who think they can drive better than you. It's like one of the few things I'm good at, although I do get caught speeding. But I get caught speeding. It's attention deficit disorder. I literally, it's always, I'll be going at 42 in a 40. In a 20. <laughs> I'll, or, yeah, like 39 in a 30. I'm not doing crazy speeds and I've done my speed awareness course so I know why that's a dangerous speed it's not that I'm being thoughtless about it but if I'm going at that speed I'm like my brain is doing other stuff um there's something that I want to talk about today oh and I think it's quite intellectual for a lot for us all for us all as a collective to ponder upon actually so you'll all know the journey that I've been on recently um, with Taylor Swift. I've come out the other side, everybody. Right? I didn't know where that was going, and I was like, "God, we haven't caught up in ages." If this is going to be about, but yeah, we know about that journey. Yeah. yeah. So um, I have been watching a, a drama. That's the only way that I can describe this on social media. That I would like to. I would like to extrapolate out to just social media, famous people in general, right? So what happened was, I'm going to keep this very brief. What happened was the pre-sale tickets went on sale on Tuesday. For Taylor Swift. And it was only for American fans. And you had to sign up for a pre-sale code. Not everybody got one. Um, They had to log in at like 10 a.m. And there was people on TikTok lives trying to get their tickets. I have never seen such a, a it was carnage right there was people logging in and they were about to buy their tickets and then all of a sudden it was like sorry these tickets are no longer available when i say these people had seconds they genuinely had seconds to choose their tickets and get and check out so much so that people were panicking and just clicking tickets and buying like one tickets for like $1000 that they Ooh. couldn't afford. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the cheapest ticket was like $400. These are like college students. I kept looking at your lovely nails and getting jealous. It was it was awful. It was really awful to watch because these people are so invested. That is, for some of them, it's almost like a religion to them. Yeah. And that's, I'm no way being disparaging. They are just, it's part of their personality and they've been a fan for years. And... People were in the queue for five hours on Ticketmaster. People took time off work. People took time off college, off school, et cetera, right? And then when they eventually got into like the ticket buying bit of Ticketmaster, they they could see these tickets disappearing in front of their eyes and they panicked and ended up spending way too much than they wanted to. For in some circumstances, really, really bad seats. And have you ever heard of dynamic pricing? Yeah, but explain it to me. So dynamic, I didn't know what it was, but dynamic pricing is where you often see it in hotel rooms where it's like supply and demand. 
So if you've got like the Olympics happening in that city, dynamic pricing will mean that that room in the Premier Inn might be three times as much as it would do be normally, right? Yeah. But di- the dynamic pricing was turned on for these Ticketmaster tickets. So if you can imagine you've got unprecedented demand, you've got hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people trying to buy, and these tickets were just going up and up and up and up and up in price, right? So lots of people gave up. Then they had like another sale yesterday for people that were Capital One customers and the same ex- they had the same experience. And then general sale goes on sale Friday. So tomorrow, because we're recording this on Thursday. And then what happens is whilst these people are still in the queue, other people have noticed on StubHub, which is a ticket reselling site, that the Taylor Swift tickets that had been bought in that sale, one was going for $50,000 right? It is remarkable. And I was watching this, obviously, from the UK going, oh my God, like I have never seen anything like, even Take That tickets when Take That were massive, never seen anything like this before. So obviously, because the Taylor Swift fans are so invested, they, it's, they've switched. And who do we think they've turned on? Taylor Swift. And now, yeah, and now not all of them, a lot of them have suddenly realized, and this is what I want to talk about, is that Taylor Swift is there to make money. And I saw, and one thing that really this one woman I was watching on TikTok was bereft. That's the only way. She was so distraught. She said she'd been saving up for this for about 16 years. She'd never been she'd never been able to afford Taylor Swift tickets. Now she's bloody blah, she can. She didn't get tickets. And she was saying things like Taylor Swift and her albums have been like a support to me, sort of a a therapy really throughout a lot of really bad stuff that happened. And I thought Taylor was my friend. And I was like, ah. And there's this thing called parasocial relationships Mm -hmm. where you've got a celebrity, you know, slash or someone like that, that you know a lot about as a fan or someone who... Um, follows them but they have no idea that you exist don't say these words isn't it awful like so so I as a fan of like let's say um Mark Owen right I don't know a lot about Mark Owen really but I know more about Mark Owen than Mark Owen knows about me that's what you think <laughs> like we got to get on the Teen Tom wagon. So a lot of these fans, and I feel awful for them, have had this moment in time, quite traumatic, when they realised that dynamic pricing was put on, which meant that most of them were priced out of a ticket. Some of them panicked and bought a ticket that they couldn't afford and are now in debt that they can't afford. And they've suddenly realised that it's kind of all about the money. and. Taylor Swift, while she does care about her fans, I think. It's Would, like... I have questions, though. Yeah. How much would she... I don't know. Bearing in mind, I used to work for Ticketmaster. But only Intel Records is the, like, Ticketmaster hub. But... If a venue is selling tickets through a ticketing website 
Mm-hmm. They probably, she would have to probably be very, she would have to say, I, I don't know how much of a say she has. I don't know. I know. I, I, what I can gather, she had the opportunity to turn dynamic pricing off. You think she did? That's that's what I can gather. I think that's up to her. Or her team, you know. I th- no, I think that's up to the venue or the ticket sellers. I don't think that's up to her. I think, obviously, if you are Taylor Swift, you have the power to say, I will not do this if dynamic pricing is turned on. But obviously, if she didn't know it was happening, I'm being devil's advocate here. She could have completely known it was happening. Um, then she can't go back and say, "Those of you, do you want me now to switch it off and start again?" Because some people will have got the tickets. It was just very upsetting to see people who, because music is a very personal thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it is. That's the whole thing about good songwriters is, you know, making it feel like you are either speaking to the person listening or you are able to vocalise a feeling that someone else is feeling. So I'm not a big Florence and the Machine fan, although I did see her, I stood next to her while she was singing at Jules Holland, because I was with a client who was going very on. Tall. Very tall. But um, I was with a client, so I had to be, like, right up. And there was Beth Ditto and Florence and the Machine. And Beth Ditto's got a very pretty voice. But then Florence started singing, and it was, like, like awe-inspiring. So she's got a very good voice, but and it, but it's not really my kind of music. But her song "Shake It Out" is literally, if I could vocalize some feelings, and I'm like, that's that is a talent. If you can do that, it I think it you forget how for that person, for that you know single mum through lockdown who's got earbuds in to get some peace. Mm. That is your adult. That is your person vocalising how you feel. That is also helping an emotional release in some way. And I think it's probably quite easy to forget that power, especially with Taylor Swift, um, because everywhere I turn, anti-hero is playing. Um, you know, there's a lot of TikToks about it and people doing funny stuff. So everywhere I turn, I'm hearing that song. She does. She's very clever in the way she does her music because that something came on the other day. Trouble came on the other day. And I and it made me think about it because obviously you'd been banging on about Taylor Swift. And I was like, oh, she's clever because she does, she switches it. So like, she's empowering because she switches the narrative. 
So the whole point of trouble is I it's my fault because I knew you were trouble. I knew you were. I'm not singing a love song about how you ditched me and you're mean. I'm singing a love song about I'm upset, but I knew what I was getting myself in for. And it's the same with anti-hero where it's like, yeah, I'm self-sabotaging. And that's so clever because that speaks to so many people. But And I think that must be a huge responsibility. So, um, so to con- to conclude this part of the podcast, I shall not be trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. For, I don't. I, 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 there's not that much of a fan. I would much rather leave it to the fa- to the real fans for the UK. Like seriously, um, it's you know, it's really funny that you were talking about this because I saw an interview with Kirk Bain the other day. Obviously, not from the other day, but they were told how much another band charged for their tickets. I can't remember who the other band was. But yeah, the interviewer was like, you know, um, it's, it might have been someone like Madonna. You know how much Madonna's charging for her ticket? And it was something like $70. And all of them, all three of them are like, what? That's how much they're ch- per person? Because for them, it's like, we want people to come and see us who want to come and see us. And obviously it's different if you're grunge band because grungy sort of people want to go and see you but it's the same as you were saying at the beginning about Taylor Swift like it's lots of students and younger people and she her audience is probably made up of a lot of people who are vulnerable or who are needing that yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people used her albums as like some sort of therapy and it was really upsetting to watch. It was just fascinating, but God, upsetting to see this. One woman, I was watching this live and this one woman was clicking. She was clicking so fast and she's like, the tickets. And she was just trying to get tickets for her daughter for Christmas. She's like, the tickets, the tickets are going before my eyes. They're literally disappearing because she had like this diagram of the stadium and like all the little blue dots for available tickets were just disappearing and and then she went oh, oh two tickets and she was like they're three thousand dollars for the pair can I afford it can I afford it and she got someone behind her going just buy them just buy them and she just bought them and then she was just sat there going I don't have that money I mean obviously it got taken off the credit card but there is a good thing that came out of this story I'm watching these people on the live and I'm thinking wonder I wonder what would happen if I just started over to ticketmaster.co.uk. It is last Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. We all know that I reminded you all to go online and get Peter K tickets. Did any of you get tickets? Did you get tickets, Chippy? No. So I forgot, right? And then I remembered at like half 11. I was like, shit, everybody get your laptops out. So me and Mike had the laptops out and we joined. And we he was 250,000th in the queue. And I was like, I thought he said 2,500. I thought, oh, it's not bad, 2,500. He was like, add a zero or two. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then I was like 260,000. By the time we got there, there was literally no seats. However, last night, I just happened to log on, went on to one night, the first night of the O2. The whole stadium was grayed out, apart from two little seats. I mean, they're not great. But it doesn't matter. You only need to use your ears. He's only going to be coming in your ears. He's not going to. You don't need anything visual, right? And I'm like, press on. Let's see what happens. And he was like, we've added them to your cart. And I'm like, I'll just buy that. 
see what happens. Fully expecting to get thrown out and saying this was an error. And it's like, congratulations. And I was like, oh. Just and immediately on a voice note, Chip, he's like, so what I'm Chip is like, so what I'm hearing is you got two tickets. And I'm like, yes, but it's an anniversary present for Mike. She's like, I don't care. It's not my fault that you bought me two piece of K tickets on your anniversary. Take that up with Mike. What I'm hearing there is work Christmas event. What I'm saying is everybody, I reckon there's going to be, because they will resale tickets. I reckon a lot of people will have done what the Taylor Swift fans did, panicked and bought some, maybe on multiple laptops and had additional tickets. I reckon that a lot more are going to come up. So don't, don't, don't panic. I don't know if there's a better way to do it because she can't, tour forever like no you think how many fans she has mm. like, or let okay so this is her north american tour so if you think about how many taylor swift fans there are in north america and how many venues there are like she would have to do probably a year of back-to-back touring or residency somewhere well she'd have to do resident like residencies in every state for everyone to see it so it's so difficult because how do you if you do a sort of um lucky dip that's not fair if I you- mean all fair fair play to her fair play for her to like get I think my theory is this is going to be her final tour because she's 32 I reckon she's going to get married and have babies. Not forever, but for a while, because it's her era's tour, isn't it? So that she's she's combining all of her albums into one tour. I mean, what does that say? But also, my friends in the music industry, I didn't really realise until COVID hit, touring's where you make your money. Yeah, like, that's fun. Go and make, go and make your money. But what I felt so for was these people who were, like, knee-deep in this parasocial relationship who have put Taylor Swift on this massive pedestal. She's just a person. She's a woman. Like, she's telling us all about her flaws in all of her latest songs, but yet everyone's just like, oh, my God, she's amazing. And then when when they feel let down by her, interestingly, immediately turn. And I think it's a, a real... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a, hu- a natural human reaction, because that is what we do to anyone in our life. Friends, if our friends let you down, like, badly, you're like, well, you're not my friend anymore, so I'm just, you just, I don't want you in my life. Yeah, and I just yeah. think it's a really, really narrow tightrope that these people have to tread. It must be really, really difficult, really difficult. Yeah. And I think the dynamic pricing thing, I agree, that seems unethical to me. There should be a standard ticket price. Boom, that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just so, like this whole, whole different world out there. Like, fans. that being how they make their money, you can still be like, right, I need to make X amount. And obviously, Taylor Swift, her albums sell in- incredibly well. So she has got other forms of income. It's not her. But she, you can still have someone who does the maths who's going to be like, right, to pay for the tour, pay for tour buses stage stuff all all the tour crew the tickets need to be and and to make a a profit for taylor the tickets need to be x amount 
And that should be the price of the tickets. Because otherwise, because I think someone like Ticketmaster will probably have a very clever laundrette who will tell us this, but they'll have a percentage of sales. So dynamic. that's what I mean about the dynamic pricing. I don't think being in in control of Taylor Swift because they'll be like, well, we take 15% of sales. So it's in their interest to suddenly sell a ticket for three grand. Crazy. Yeah. Right. I think the question I had, right, was what happens, because this happens all the time, there's a lot of dates there. What happens if she gets sick, right? And you're a fan. And like your night's coming up, and like, oh my god, I'm so excited! And you paid three grand, whatever. That emotional investment. So all of a sudden, like what Adele did, like cancelled her tour. I say sorry, we've had to cancel tonight. Taylor's got laryngitis. What happens? Do you get given another day? Yeah, you get the opportunity to get a refund, or you get to your ticket is valid for the next date when they reschedule but that's quite often like tom petty my fave died from accidental drug overdose but yeah do you not remember i went into a decline he died october 2019 we know how rare that is um and i was really cross because i was supposed i wanted to go and see him at play but Jack was two weeks old and I was like, oh, I don't know that I'll feel like going. I'll go next time. Dead two months later. Anyway, he died of an accidental drug overdose because he was on tour with a broken hip or broken pelvis. Oh, my God. And so he was taking prescription medication because he had a fucking broken hip and was going on stage every night. And he was, you know, so he's taking that and he was taking things to help him sleep and and he got, and what a lot of uh, people don't realize is when people die of an overdose of that, it's not, they took one too many. It's that it builds up in your system and you don't get told that by your doctor. So if you're taking these hardcore painkillers, even if you're taking them as prescribed, if you're taking them taking more than you for longer than you should do it builds up in your system so then one day it's done um but that's because you're you get into this thing where you're doing what you love it's the thing that makes you feel great people have paid to see you they've spent their hard-earned money to see you play and you don't want to let them down. And so a lot of musicians get themselves into a really bad physical state because, like, think of all the times in the since the kids have gone back to school that you felt a bit rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Like, I constantly feel like I'm getting a cold or just a bit, like, done in by the end of the day. So you can see why it happens because you just suddenly got this weight of responsibility of, like, and it, it often, obviously it depends on the person, but if you're really in t- tune with your fans and like emotionally in tune with your fans, you will be like that student 
has just spent their student loan, which they're going to be paying back until they're 40, on tickets to see me. So I can either cancel this because of my broken hip or I can take a fuck ton of painkillers and get on stage and do it. Do you know what I mean? I think that, I think it is a very difficult, I think it's under, uh, overlooked at how difficult. Yeah, and, and it sort of makes you sort of, I'd hate that. I'd hate to have that weight of responsibility. Yeah, because you feel responsible. Let's bring it back to Gemma. But you, whenever we've had business meetings or um, when you were developing the app and you were in an app hole or whenever you, when you were doing redoing the website or writing a book or whatever, you were always very much like, I always want the principles to be for free. I always want there to be something Mm. there for somebody who can't afford the app or who is in a desperate position and needs help now you've always been very much like that I want if you do an ad if you do a sponsored post there have been times when we've been approached and you've been like but that I, I would never use that or that's just unaffordable to do you know what I mean? You, I feel like you are very ethically responsible, but it's in a completely different field. You're creating content. Yeah, but then like magnify that out like 55,000 times. But what I mean is you're creating... Really yeah, but you're creating content, which obviously is you focused, but quite often you can do it. Like if you've been ill, you've messaged me and been like, I'm in bed, but I'm just... And it will be doing something from your bed, right? You're not having to go on stage. And that's the thing is that I know that you feel really responsible doing what you do. But yeah, magnifying that by... If I was Taylor Swift, I would already be having anxiety about how I cannot get sick for the next two years. Yeah. But also, like, imagine you've gone from... When did she release her album? Two, Two weeks ago? 21st of October. Going from that, where it's, you know, 30-something mother in Kent. uh, Yeah, but I stream it for free on Spotify. But she still makes money from that. Yeah. Um, Contemplating not going to sleep because she wants to be there when the album drops and, like, you know, you were really excited about it. Yeah, and it was such an amazing thing to be part of because I'd never experienced anything like that, even like we'd take that. Just watching it was just like... Yeah, and there is something about Taylor Swift where you're like, where if I had daughters, I'd obviously want them to be into pink. I love pink. But like, for me, she is great. She always looks horrified if they ask, if interviewers ask her about her love life. She's always like, no, I'm here with my friends. Like, I, and I love that. She's always very much like, no, I'm hanging out with my female friends. Why would I care what boys think I look like? Or do you know what I mean? And I think that's a very positive image. Um, but also, she must now be like having been everyone on social media talking about your album launch and everyone on social media 
playing anti-hero and looking at your videos and thinking you're amazing to now having those people crying because they've spent their children's college fees on shit Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah, one woman was going, she was going, wedding fund, Taylor tickets. Because that's how much money she was. Yeah. And also I'm all for spending money on experiences. Yeah, I am too. Um, and some of my best fun has been at gigs, but also I go to gigs. But like, okay, this is a very good example. When I was about two weeks off having Jack, Guns N' Roses played in London. And because Ned had been early, with the subsequent two babies, the hospital, the midwives and I were a bit like, let's just be ready in case the next one's come early. And Jim hadn't been early, but with the third one, we were like, let's just, you know, be sensible because you just don't know. And it was in the O2, which is the other side of London for me. I it was physically too big to be able to drive my car. So I was like, right, realistically, I'm going to have to go on the tube across London to the O2. Should be about an hour and a half plus for me. Um, on public transport on my own because the tickets were 150 quid and I could not afford 150 quid on a Guns N' Roses ticket and let alone 300 quid for my husband to come so for a while Joe was like right you'll probably know people there so who do we know who's going because you're just going to have to get a friend of yours bearing in mind all my friends that were going were boys that is essentially going to have to be responsible for getting you to the hospital if you go into labour. And then eventually I was like, yes, because they'll have spent 150 quid on a ticket and then they'll have to miss it to take me to fucking hospital. Like, I can't. So I didn't go, but I was just like, I have, I got Use Your Illusion 2 for Christmas when I was nine. And that is how long I've loved Slash for. I, I just remember that was it as far as I was concerned. It, I loved it. I loved that album. Still love that album. And part of me was really disappointed because I was like, I'm about to have my third baby. Logistically, it's dodgy and that's not their fault. But part of the reason the logistics is difficult is I can't spend 300 quid mm. on gig tickets. It's just not. And also, I think the thing that Nirvana were always very keen on they were like, if your tickets are that expensive, who have you got coming? Yeah. If your tickets are three grand a go, then the first people to buy them are going to maybe be people who are not your chosen demographic. Or corporate. Yeah, they're gonna it's gonna be corporate. And it's just not do you know what I mean? I just think that's very questionable. And obviously corporate people can still buy it if they're 20 quid a ticket. But you're just calling out a whole load of people. Do you think Peter Kay's got anxiety? Because he's not he's not toured for 12 years. Do you reckon he's in bed going, well, I'm just not funny anymore? He's a naturally funny man. But I've got, I've got, now I've got anxiety for him. You I'm must. It's so funny. I came back from Dawn French. This was... It was quite unlike me, but also made me really laugh because it's quite like something my husband would say. 
But I came back from seeing Dawn French, and I love Dawn French, but I think I laughed out loud once. I don't, I've got, I don't know. I mean, French and Saunders make me cry laughing. But I'm quite hard, like, it, I'm quite a niche humour anyway. But I came back and Joe's like, how was it? And I was like, it was really good. It was really, and it was really good. And he said, okay. And I said, I just don't think I've, I just don't think I've uh, used my humour enough in life. I think I should have, I feel, I feel like I should have done something with my humour, Joe. You know, then I followed that thought through and was like, oh, yeah, well, you could do stand up. And I was like, that that sounds like the world. Oh, do it, do yeah. it. Oh. Can you imagine me and the I'm, Lord We'll all come to your shows. We'll be like, Whoop. can you imagine? I'm not funny enough to do stand up for a start, but I think there must be. I'd rather sing. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, trying to be funny and singing. So I'm sure that any, as any comedian, you've always got to have that bit even if you're peter k even if you're michael mcintyre or anyone that can sell out big tickets oh it must be that and that was that was what stopped it for me because i was like no no yeah the anxiety just like i've got to make fifty thousand people laugh tonight i've um, got to make one person like can you just imagine in a small Oh, that's even worse. Night with like ten people who are like, oh, uh, anxiety dream. That isn't it? Just like it is in front of everyone and just. (laughs) Oh, it is. It is. It's like an anxiety dream on stage at a comedy night. Spotlights on you. What has been your positive of the week? Oh, okay. I have a positive of the week. It's a warm, fuzzy positive, which is not like me. But um, when I moved, buckle up, it's not a short story. When we moved, my eldest, as we know, was found it the hardest. And he was really betrayed by our choice, basically, because he loved his school and his friends and his house and being a Londoner and all of that. And I remember going up, we've got a playing field in the village and Ned's is very into Buddhism and meditation and making spells and all of that. And we were, we were on the wreck as it's called. And we were talking about it, about, you know, I was like, but you know, we have more opportunities to do things now that you want to do and all of that. And he's like, "Mm -hmm." and then he saw people doing karate in the parish hall and he was like, they're doing karate. And I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to look on the, I'm going to detective it and go into the parish thing and see who's booked and then go and so I found out it was um, a martial arts academy that do karate. So Ned started doing karate. He does gradings. He loved it. I messaged you going. What is this fresh hell? Yeah. What is this fresh hell? I'm now a karate. I thought it was like 10 minutes. I thought they got graded individually. Then I sat down next to a mum who had like coffee and snacks. I was like, you know, you only make that mistake one time. Next time I was the mum with coffee and snacks. Um, and he loved it and it really worked for him because obviously he's into the Buddhist spiritual side. So there's a lot of that in karate. So he loved it. 
And then about a month ago, Jack was like, I want to do karate. So Jack started nothing cuter than a tiny chap in his karate kit with his little. Hey, yeah. 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 So they were doing it. And I said to Jim, you know, do you want to do karate? No, didn't want to do it. And we've been going through stuff at school with Jim and all of that uh, neurodivergent stuff. And it's been weighing really heavily on me because I was talking to my friend about it yesterday and I was like, your natural instinct as a mum is to fix things. And I can't fix this. And I experienced myself what he's experiencing and I still don't have the answer. So, and then one day he was like, I'd like to try kickboxing, which they, the same people do, but the next night. And so it's I was not. Like, it's the same. Does it begin with an S? No. Oh. Four Marks Martial Arts Academy. It's very local. Okay. Anyway, so they, so I was like, okay, well, let's, so I emailed the lady and said, can he do a trial day? And he loved it. And I watched him and you know once your kids go to school like if you've been taking them to play groups or play dates or whatever you observe your child but once they're at school there's a whole load of things that you don't observe them doing so I was like okay I haven't um I haven't seen him in this kind of setting before and he does stand out as being unusual but they are so lovely with him. Nobody, he stands out of being unusual. Nobody batted an eyelash. Nobody looked at him. Do you know what? I'm going to just jump in for a second. Yeah. I think our generation, people, you know, if you were in any way different, you would. Yeah. You know, but I think it's so much better now. It's so much better on the well, whole. The lady who runs it, her she's got four kids one of hers has adhd he's teenagers uh you know that she's got teenagers so she really understands it and she was like we've got loads of different every different kind of kid comes here yeah and they definitely kids nowadays are definitely more they they you know we used to not our school the school that i went to was not accessible for anyone who was disabled for example. because no, we didn't know anything. We didn't know. Problem with the school, that was just accepted that that school was not accessible. Whereas now schools have to be accessible. Everyone, everyone of every background, every ability is together. And that's great. But it was just seeing him. And so I then afterwards, I was like, did you like it? Do you want to join up? And he's like, yeah, I want to join up. And I think partly for him, it's doing something different to his brother's. Mm. Um, and something on his own. But I was saying to the lady, because they volunteer, everyone's a volunteer that does it. And she, I was like, I can't believe you do five nights a week from five from four till four thirty till nine, five nights a week as a volunteer. There yeah. And she was like, Yeah, it's a lot, it's exhausting. But I and but your email getting an email like that makes it all different because I'd sent her an email saying I cannot for a child that stands out in social situations as a mother you, you always 
almost wish they wouldn't. Obviously, you want your kid to stand out in some ways, but it becomes really obvious. And you're like, oh, I just want to make it easier for you. I just want to make life easier for you. And I was like, just seeing him feeling like part of a group and part of a community and being valued for who he is just made me feel so much better because he takes very much responsibility for his wins and for that kind of thing. So he doesn't want to play football in a team because if he, if someone mispasses something to him, it's going to send him into a fury. He cannot deal with that. So he never, so group stuff is really difficult, but this is just so nice. And it just made me have this feeling of like, no way in London would I have been able to afford for three of them to do a weekly class. Um, and they do swimming. And it. Hold on a minute. Why aren't these people getting paid to run it if you're paying for them to go? I'm paying for them to go for venue hire. Right. Okay. Okay. I just, I just had, I just thought that this is this big company taking the money and making volunteers. No, the the volunteers take the money. She takes the money. She hires the space. She gets all the equipment. Um, So they have like proper, all the proper equipment. They do all the gradings and, and yeah she there it's just it was so nice and I just thought that is partly why we moved you know to give them that opportunity and it just felt really nice so that's my positive of the week I'll stop babbling on about it now what's your positive of the week are you taking a photograph of it well I can't make my animals my positive every single week my positive of the week is very similar in as much as that I am watching Thomas my eldest develop in front of my eyes he had his first sixth form parents evening and Mike and I was on on zoom Mike and I were quite nervous we've typically always been challenging parents evenings um I love that Derek is so involved can I just say and I just his PE teacher made me cry I loved that you picked him PE when your child's away pick them PE um she was like I don't recognise Thomas. Mm. He's turned over such a new leaf. She said she's, he's helping out with the younger kids. He's He wants to be head boy. And like last night, he's now got a second job. He's now the resident babysitter for the people that live over the road. Mm. He's like, I'm going out, I'm going to go and babysit. He's babysitting again on Friday. He's babysitting again in two weeks' time. And I'm like, what's, what's happening? What's happening? It's happening. Nobody panicked. It's happening. It's happening. It is that thing, though, of, of I think I said it last week. I don't know if I did, but I'd been speaking to the school about um, CAMS and all of that special educational needs stuff. And she'd said to me in a really patronising way, we're, we're not worried about him. Yeah, it is really patronising. And I said, I'm not worried about him, but I'm worried about him at school. And I think the problem with school is for lots of kids, they just breeze through it and they and it's fine. But for lots of kids certain settings just don't work and I wonder if that bit feeling a bit more grown up Mm. and having fewer like focusing on at least two things that he genuinely wants to do yeah rather than having to learn of stuff that you don't necessarily which obviously is very useful but that you don't feel passionate about and some people can just do it and move on but for him maybe it was just like I need that bit of 
responsibility and because also it must be very difficult for Thomas because people must treat him like an adult well because he's taller yeah yeah but yeah I I was just like oh my god I was so nervous that parents eating and I was just like (laughs) and they were all like it was like and I, and I couldn't, you know, normally people try to be really cool going, oh, yeah. I'm like, I just went, I'm so sorry. I'm going to make you cry. I'm like, you're going to have to take over. I was like, yes, yeah, so, so, okay, that's great. So is there anything we need to be doing? And like, what about this? He went, he went sort of practical. And I was going, oh. yes. And the teacher actually said, it's, which just set me over the edge, this did. It was just game over. It's, it's kids like Tom that make me do the job I do. Oh, and I was just like, oh, that see, and that yeah, and also that's so nice because he's, I mean, how for for me, Thomas's secondary school went very quickly. Yes, it did. And then A levels will be done, and then they're an adult, and he's gone. Yeah, and that he's like, he's like and he said to me, "I can't wait to move out at 18. He said, is, does that um, upset you? And I was like, well, actually, yes, but I feel like I've done something right. But you're excited about Moving. starting your life and being independent. So obviously it would be aw- you know, aw- awful. It's also quite exciting. I'm yeah. like, I want them to go and like experience stuff. Yeah. You've, 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 <laughs> I was like, parents. Well, parents, I'm proud because my weird child has found somewhere to be weird with other people. <laughs> um, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we shall speak to you all next week. Say goodbye, Chippy. Bye-bye. Bye bye.